And I ask what happened? There was a fire a long time ago. Ancient history for some. Not really very good table conversation. Now, would you care for a cup of tea with your egg? Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouthfuls podcast, a movie podcast with zero table manners that never forgets the 5th of November. Each episode will be tucking into movies and at some point the odd television show to chow down on some of the most iconic cinematic cuisine scenes in cinema history, as well as just about everything else we can get our mitts on and vaguely linked to food. I'm your host Jordan, sometimes referred to as the film fella online, a bloke simply attempting to avoid being held for treason for his crimes against film, and as always I'm of course joined by the UK's number one competitive eater, it's my ever-plotting co-conspirator of cinema, the sparkler if you will of the this podcast bid meets food <laughs> how many puns could you squeeze into an intro you enjoyed it last time so i was I, like I you know what this. i'm doubling down <laughs> I, I enjoyed it this time too yeah vox popularly here checking in voice of the people that's that's uh latin that, that comes in in this film but yeah how, how are you doing i'm all right i'm not too bad um i'm gonna elaborate on just saying i'm okay like i did last week and then you were just like all right yeah sound <laughs> yeah you really painted a picture for me <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, went to a gig last week. That was exciting. Who was that? Let, let me guess. Let me guess. Wait a second. No, don't don't tell me. Sam Fender. No, no, <laughs> no. Wait, wait, wait a second. Was it Endobes? <laughs> no. Am I close? I mean, maybe. No, it was it was Don Broco. I went to go see Don Broco in Manchester. Lad band. Lad band. Lad band. Lots of press ups and uh, love um, beer. <laughs> I, I love a lot of the earlier stuff. Not so much now, but um, yeah, the earlier stuff was cool. We've got a bit. Um, a bit political these days I, I don't really mind that it's just i think their older songs are better but that's generally the case with every band i like <laughs> I had a guy that came out who was like a a, a double of david beckham because he's in one of their new music videos so they've clearly hired him for like the whole tour to just come out and stand before the song comes on and pretend to be david beckham yeah, yeah. okay yeah moving See, swift, interesting. swiftly well, they had a cowboy last time so it's just something to do now um have you seen anything this past uh you know past week Ooh, you know, I was trying to think. Other uh, than this film, by the way. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I'm, uh, it's customary now, isn't it, that we ask each other what we have seen. Um, I don't think I've seen really much of um, anything of note that I, I kind of care to remember top of my head. No spooky films? Halloween? Get, get some spooks on? No, you? well, I mean, nothing really terrifies me these days other than, you know, my tax bill. <laughs> that, that sometimes terrifies me. I miss is... snoring. That's pretty scary. <laughs> I don't need that is, that is literally a joke on one of my favourite podcasts, The Weekly Planet, which is the Mr. Sunday Movies guy off YouTube. And he keeps saying, he's been saying it for about a month and he does it every year when he gets to October. He goes, the spookiest time of the year. And I'm not talking about Halloween. I'm talking about tax season. I'm all right. And he just says it like every week to the point where his co-host, Nick Mason, like just lost the plot last week because he said it. And he was like, can you just stop? Stop with that joke. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, um, I, I, top of my head, no, I don't really find anything scary these days, um, so I, I didn't watch anything particularly scary, and actually I avoided, um, by some miraculous twist of fate, any trick-or-treat people, no kids wow. came to my door. You just eat all the candy, or chocolate, as we say over here, and uh, sweets. Mrs. Beard left, left a bowl downstairs. Um, Were it full of our Twinkies? Is that where they're gone? I don't know where they are. I still haven't. She's she's claiming um, plausible deniability. You know, she's saying that no, it wasn't. Me, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was her. Maybe it was your neighbours in this building. They're still, still sweets. It could be. Like they've taken them and put in. Like somebody's put a special order in for like give me Twinkies, and they're like, oh fuck it, we'll we'll use his Twinkies. <laughs> that were out of date, probably. <laughs> yeah, but Twinkies never really go out. I mean, you could eat them like 40 years into the future; it wouldn't kill you. Ah, well, well, I I checked out last night in Soho. Um, that was last Friday after our pod came out. Very good film. 
Edgar Wright, who you mention a hell of a lot on this podcast. As, haven't we had some interaction from Edgar Wright recently? We have. Well, My I have. God. But I put out a, a little tweet because like, I'm, I'm testing the waters. I keep threatening to go back on YouTube, don't I? And you keep laughing at this. So I'm like, I'm just going to write things and see if people interact with it. And then if I get interactions, maybe I'll do videos related to them. So who knows? But uh, yeah. Edgar Wright, like my tweet, literally about 20 seconds after I posted it, to the point where I thought this has got to be like a bot or something, but no. It was the real Edgar Wright. Yeah, and it was, I mean, obviously he's clearly looking at the film, seeing how it's doing on Twitter, and then reacting to everyone's like That's positive right. reviews. But that is very cool for, a, for a director of his level to still be kind of grassroots reacting to what people are saying about it. I, I have a lot of respect for him. I came back, like, I, I was talking to someone off of that tweet, and then like a few hours later, I woke up the next day, and he he'd like liked that one as well so he, he like followed my thread which was pretty interesting i didn't say anything bad it's, maybe, it's a very listens, good film. maybe he listens to the pod you never know <laughs> edgar if you're listening come watch well, you know don't come on right now because this place is a mess but when, when we've day. sorted it out <laughs> one day <laughs> we'll have him on um, i also checked out brightburn which is the james gunn produced horror where it's like what if superman but bad <laughs> yeah is that, is, that's on netflix right yeah it is um yeah it it's terrible just, so i avoided it it's yeah it's it's not directed by James Gunn, which was disappointing because as soon as I started watching it, I looked into it because I wasn't feeling it. And I was like, oh, it's produced by James Gunn. So he came up with an idea and then someone else has like gone out and tried to recreate it. And it just wasn't the level of slickness that his films normally are. It's okay, but they're like, they just double down on like the gory element of this little boy, like just mowing through people basically. And it's it just kind of... It just don't. It didn't land. I, I'm lying. Actually, I watched a little bit of the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, all right. For yeah. Not not on purpose. You understand? It was just on TV. I was doing a little bit of admin work, and I just thought, you know what? I'll put this on just to laugh at how bad it is. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's obviously it's not aged well, but um, yeah, it was uh, it's pretty terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty bad with horror films as it is, so I, I don't watch a, a hell of a lot of them anyway. But what's what's the scariest horror film you've ever seen? Real quick before you dive in. God, the descent really freaked me out. Descent is good. It's, that I like freaks that well, me it's, out. It's, it's British, right? As well, so I feel mm. like you got to stick up for it. But that was an that was a, that's a hidden gem. Um, I'm I'm kind of more like freaked out by you know like the religious kind of spiritual horror things. Like what, Midsummer or something like that. Uh, it's kind of more psychologically. That's like a folk yeah. thing. I, I liked Midsummer because it's kind of weird and a little different. But you know, like the exorcism stuff. I, I can't deal with that. I mean, that, paranormal that, activity is not scary. But the problem that I have with that is when I went and watched that one, obviously when it first came out, I was a lot younger. So I saw it at the cinema. And then when I came home, I was always like looking at like doors and stuff, like waiting for them to he move says on younger, their own. Like what you when you were 19, yeah? <laughs> Pissing your panties. Anyway, are we going to kick on to what we're doing this week? Um, yeah, we can do. I was just going to finish off so the Witches and the French Dispatch, which I also recommend. The New, the new Witches. The, the New Witches is terrible. <sighs> the French Dispatch, which is a very Wes anderson e film it's probably like his most dialed up version of anything he's done very good what's that one called uh the french dispatch okay i'll, I'll make a note of that bill murray again can't go wrong he's not in it that much but he's in it <laughs> so the uh yeah the the new version of witches is like oh. yeah it's garbage why, <laughs> yeah like why do you make this film you know the, the first one's great just just leave it leave it be yeah no i agree right we don't, we don't want to start moaning too early though you know we only just got here I was going to say the last thing as well before we jump on. New podcast? You've, I, I just, you said that you were going out for some burgers and, you know, you just never came back. And uh, suddenly I went on YouTube and you've got a, a new podcast. Still fucking here, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, I'm spreading myself too thin, man. Um, I, yeah, I've been, I'm all podcasted out this week. I feel like my vocal cords are going to give out between, the, between that and the, the Christmas song. 
Um, yeah, I feel like I've been doing more audio stuff than video this month. But um, and also, I haven't told you. I'm gonna drop this bomb on you right now. I'm going to New York in about six days. So, are you actually? <laughs> yeah. Oh God, we're gonna have to do another one of those lock ourselves in a room and record like record seven seven <laughs> videos. We come out, we're just drenched in blood and sweat. Oh Jesus, yeah. But um, I made a joke earlier saying that we're gonna have to start calling you the BCU, the Beard Content Universe. I made a very, very terrible <laughs> Avengers Endgame-related uh, graphic. If anyone wants to check that out, it's on my Twitter. It was terrible. A poor, it was a poor Photoshop, but I often find the the worse the Photoshop, the funnier the gag. Really, I'd like to say I did it on purpose, but that's just my skill level. <laughs> <laughs> shall we? Shall we get into the the stuff anyway? And also, that's called Breaking Bread. To go check that out. Let's get on with it. Yeah. Christ, we, we waffled a bit there, didn't we? I kind of lost my way a little bit. <laughs> got overly excited. <laughs> I think we, we're kidding ourselves if we're saying that people aren't skipping through this podcast anyway. So like, if they skip the beginning, that's all right. We'll put some chapter markers in there, maybe. Listen to the film bit where it's like 12 seconds and then j- j- jump to the bit about food and then leave. <laughs> Pretty much. Please don't do that. Please listen. I saw his graphics the other day, like his statistics and stuff. Does it look like a lot of people do listen throughout. So thank you. We thank appreciate that. Thank you very that. much. We love you. <laughs> so what film are we doing this week? This week. We are doing the Peerless V for Vendetta, since, of course, when this goes out, it will be Bonfire Night. Correct. Remember, remember, the 5th of November, that is exactly why we're doing that. Some people claim we, we don't know what we're doing and we don't plan these things, but, uh, you know, we've planned a Halloween one, we've planned a Bonfire Night one. I don't know if there's any more food-related Bonfire Night films that we could do after this, but if there is one, let us know. But, yeah, this is, this is top tier. And... Um, I'm going to go into like our reviews at the end, as I always do, and shout out people. But someone mentioned that um, most of the time that we're doing these, we kind of kind of feels like we don't like the films that we're watching. Um, <laughs> this one, for a change, um, I didn't have to like force you to watch this one. We both never. We both really enjoy this one. So yeah, man. I mean, I was a big fan of the. I know you start waxing lyrical about superheroes and all that shit, but uh, I, I, when I was especially kind of like around uni age, I loved the kind of. Um, you know, like the adult kind of graphic novel scene, some of the really kind of heavier stuff, you know, like the political stuff, um, stuff that Alan Moore and Frank Miller were doing and, and uh, you know, Neil Gaiman. So for me, this is this an exciting because I, li- I liked the book before I, I remember re- having read the book, being pretty excited for the film when it came out, like whatever, 15 years ago. Yeah, 2005. Christ, man. So 16 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Fuck. Man, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't even, what, what the hell were I doing in 2005? Best not say, it probably upset you. <laughs> um, but yeah, Alan Moore. So this is a, a DC property um, that was created by Alan Moore. Um, well, I'll sort of give some more details on that in a bit. But do you want to give the, uh, the the thing that you always give, which is the nice, concise synopsis of what this film's like? He's rubbing his hands with glee because he enjoys this film. <laughs> Well, this is my favourite part. This is the only part that I feel like okay, <laughs> I actually offer something. Right, okay, so I'm setting the scene for you. It's um, it's set in a, a, a an unspecified point in time, right? But it is essentially an alternate future, um, not future from now, kind of a future if you were looking from the past. That makes no sense. But it's basically it's set in <laughs> a point in time, like a post um, uh, Margaret Thatcher era um, of uh, British... Uh, politics and the 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 insinuation is that um the uh, political landscape has shifted to a kind of a far-right authoritarian uh regime uh not dissimilar from that in in 1984 if you've read the book or mm-hmm. seen the film uh, yep. the george orwell uh story and um yeah in short it's uh, this this party kind of takes away people's liberties you're not you know there's a curfew you're not allowed out after certain sat times it's um uh, kind of you're not allowed to um 
there's it's very kind of Nazi Germany-esque, but in England. That's probably the easiest way for me to say it, right? Yeah. Um, and the story begins, you follow the protagonist, Evie, Evie Hammond, who is like, a, well, we'll stick to the film version because they are slightly different, but she's a, a, a young kind of journalist working for uh, the BTN, which is like a bit like ITV, like, uh, you know, or CNN, if you're watching, listening from a different country. So a TV company, right? And um, she's walking home one night um, after curfew, you know, and she's um, set about by these uh, secret police officers called the Fingermen. Uh, and um, <laughs> yeah, she's about to, it's implied she's about to get raped and beaten um, because they're all corrupt and evil bastards. And who should pop out from the shadows but a vaudevillian hero, um dressed as Guy Fox called V. Well, he introduced himself after beating the shit out of these people. Um, and yeah, it introduces him as the hero of the story, kind of. Anti-hero, you could... You could Anti-hero um, is probably... I think... I, I haven't read the book and obviously the, the graphic novels stuff and, and you have, but from it, it's kind, it's kind of painted like an anti-hero, but more heavily towards the hero side. Whereas if I'm right in the graphic novel, there's some sort of more dodge stuff that makes him more anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, let's stick to the film because nobody yeah. gives a shit about the book really at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's uh, he, he does some questionable things. The, the whole point of the story, the singular theme really is, can violence be used for good really? Because what he, he then does, I won't give away the entire plot, but uh, he reveals himself to be um, uh, kind of a terrorist, but a terrorist who um, wishes to take down the, the current government because um, it is um, doing bad things to people um, and to its population. And he, he seeks to kind of um, inspire the population to kind of rise up and, uh, you know, storm the House of Parliament and, and shit and, you know, restore some order. And shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was that was a bit long, but like it's kind of a complex. As a synopsis, as as far as many of them go, you can tell there's always a level where if you get going, I know that you really enjoyed the film. <laughs> I could have done shorter. I could have said like guy dressed as Guy Fawkes <laughs> takes down bad, like evil um, right wing lunatics. That's probably better. Even shorter, more successful Guy Fawkes. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not that we want to give the plot away, but <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I don't really know what else I could add to that. It, it's just a fantastic film, a great concept. Um, I should say when when I say right wing, I, I don't want people like piling on me for politics. I mean, like you know, far, <laughs> so like so far right wing that they're um they can't see people. the line. Yeah, <laughs> they can't even see the line. They're so, uh, so further right wing than uh, Aaron Lennon, David Beckham. I'm trying to pick some wingers <laughs> of, of of years past. But yeah, if you're a, if you're a mild conservative, I'm not having a go or anything. So you know, just relax. Nice. <laughs> Let's just edit that part out. Good save. <laughs> I'll leave it in. It's fun, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, this is directed by James McTeague. McTeague, yeah. I believe. Yes. Um, he did the Invasion, Survivor, Marco Polo, which I believe is a series. Senses Eight, which is a series, um, and Messiah, which is also a series. So seems to have done this and then just sort of gone down the route of making TV series more recently. But the more interesting part that I didn't know until doing the research for this is that it's the Wachowski sisters were the writers and screenplay like creators. Isn't it Wachowski? Wachowski, Wachowski. I don't think it's Wachowski. I don't know. Well, I think it's Wachowski. Of, I'm, sure the not gonna, I'm sure they're not going to write it in this. <laughs> well, you never know. You, you're you're on the familiar terms now with Edgar Wright, our boy Edgar Wright, so you never know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Wachowski, but they're of a, predominantly of uh, the Matrix fame, right? That's what kind of shot them to fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they were involved in Senses 8 as well, so they've clearly worked with this guy again. 
But I, I didn't know that. That was like that was new for me going into it. I, I knew that because that was a large part of the marketing vehicle. Like was from it? the makers of The <laughs> Matrix. And everyone's like, oh, so it's just an action movie when really it's not. But th- that's how they Hollywoodize the film. Makes sense. Makes sense. Do you want to talk cast? Why not? Let's, let's do it. We always cast. talk cast. Am I, am I, so am I, am I saying the cast members I know you're going to pick up spares of the less known actors? Yeah, if there's any that you miss, I'll pick them up as we go. I'll, I'll um, probably miss some people. Right, let me let me start from the top. You got Natalie Portman, right? She's the big, uh, the correct. big. Uh, th- that's probably fifty percent of the budget, right there. Um, Natalie Portman, who is by the way, flipping amazing in this film. She's actually really good because her career is kind of a bit upsy downsy. I don't know how good you are, and then, oh my god, you're amazing. Then I, I, so. I think. I think I, I like Natalie Portman and everything. I think she's really good. She's not always in good films, but um, I think she's usually good. Um, Hugo Weaving, who I am the biggest fucking fan of. I want to get him on my new podcast. My slightly <laughs> better... No, I'm joking. Hey, this but, is um, the film one. If you're going to get anyone, if you're going to use your weight and throw could, it about for film people, could you it's imagine, this one. Could you imagine Hugo Weaving in here? Like, we get him in this room. Maybe. I mean, like like you just said, this guy is just top tier. And so like, for anyone that has no idea, like we mentioned before, there are people that you mentioned name to and they're like, huh? So Elrond from Lord of the Rings. And then if you're one of those people that's like, oh, Lord of the Rings, then he was Agent Smith in The Matrix. Yeah, I played think the, the Red sad, Skull in Captain America. The sad Megatron thing, in Transformers. Yeah, the, the sad thing for me is that you probably will go down as being remembered as Agent Smith above all else, when I think that's probably his worst role. Like playing the Red Skull. I think this is better. I think th- this is probably yeah, one but you of don't his see his fucking face, role. do you? Yeah. You can tell it's his voice if you're really into films. Got some facts about that soon. But um, yeah, like the, playing the Red Skull, that German accent killed me. Not a scratch, doctor. <laughs> he killed me in that. And but, he refused uh, to come back. Yeah, well, <laughs> he just no, didn't come he's, back for any of the others. He's a character actor, right? I thought, yeah, fuck yeah. it, like I've done my bit now. But yeah, he's he's just a great a great actor. Did you know they played Rex in Babe: Pig in the City as well? <laughs> Fuck no. Why would it as a giggle? Uh, we didn't mention as well, so Natalie Portman plays Evie Hammond, who's the, the main character as well. Black mm. Swan, Thor, 1, 2, and 4, when that comes out. Annihilation, Star Wars, she plays Padme. It's uh, a very terribly written role. Leon, the professional. Leon, yeah. <laughs> Mars Attacks, Closer, Garden State, right, we, we Zoolander. Yeah, Let's we... do them all! Okay. <laughs> 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 scrolling for IMDb forever. <laughs> Just going through them all. Uh, carry on, anyway, after Hugo Weaving, who else is in this? Um, we got uh, a very solid cast of strong, Brit- predominantly British actors. Yes, we do. Uh, we got Stephen Fry. Uh, who play, plays a, a, a pretty central role in the uh, in the film? You got Stephen Ree, 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 Stephen Ree, <laughs> Stephen Ree, um, who uh, is probably best known for the Crying Game. Um, but I say that as an old bastard, right? So I, I mean, I, I mean, it, I wasn't even alive. I don't think when the Crying Game came out. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen that. Does he play a detective? Because it seems to be that everything that I've seen him in, that I recognised him. Where I was like, oh, it's like it's, 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 it's that guy. And then when I went and checked, he was in a show that I watched earlier last year, maybe called The Stranger. No, no he's not. Just, a de- he always seems to be a detective. Yeah, well, predominantly, but in that, no, he plays an IRA activist. All right, definitely not a detective. You know, <laughs> essentially a bad dude. But like the funny thing about that is Forrest Whitaker plays a, <laughs> a British dude. What? He's just the weirdest thing. I remember thinking like, what the, f- what, how the f- heck is Forrest Whitaker in this, you know? He, he does a decent Cockney accent, to be fair. Um, but yeah, anyway... Um, Probably missing quite a lot, but like top of my head, I'm trying to think. The antagonist, perhaps. Oh, uh, John Hurt, of course. Chancellor Adam Sutler, yeah. yeah. And then uh, the, a lot of the guys like Dascom and Creedy, they're played by pretty much British TV actors. Yeah, um, Tim Piggott-Smith plays Peter Creedy. You've got Rupert Graves, who plays Lieutenant 
I think he's a lieutenant. Dominic, he's the other cop of it. You can say lieutenant, damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roger Allen, who plays, basically it's a Piers Morgan parody, plays Louis Prothero, <laughs> but he's basically just modern day Piers Morgan. That's a good observation now, but actually Piers Morgan wasn't doing this kind of shit when this film was released. But I know, you're it, right, it, you are it, still right. It's though. spooky. This this film, I've, I mean, I've, I've mentioned it, or I'm going to mention it in a bit through my notes, that yeah, it, it kind of is scary how close to sort of some aspects of reality this film's touching upon it becomes almost more relevant the 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 more time every goes year, on every yeah, year that you watch it <laughs> bonfire night <laughs> we're, we're trying to avoid being like overtly in any way but we're going to be centrist politically centrist for this one because mm-hmm. we don't want people to get mad but yeah. um yeah it, it's it is um it's a poignant film the more you watch it Mm-hmm. And we've got Eddie Marzan who plays Brian Etheridge. Now, I, I don't think he's in it much. He's in it at the beginning, but he's like the guy that's in like a lot of British comedies. He's in um, The World's End, Edgar Wright film. And then, weirdly, I was watching it and I'd not noticed this last time I watched it, which was probably the last <laughs> bonfire night. But this time, the young Valerie in the flashbacks, uh, one of the characters that sort of. Imogen Poots, man, isn't it? Yeah, Imogen Poots is oh, her debut. Yeah, yeah, I didn't Debut know that. I've only rec- I only recently when I, I, when I rewatched it, I was like, oh shit, yeah. But yeah, after watching it for several years, it clicked this time. I was like, oh, I recognise that face. Then I looked and I was like, oh, maybe it's just someone that looks like her. But no, it's just because she's younger. I don't think we've missed anyone else. I think we've pretty, got everyone. Pretty lean there. cast, man. Pretty lean. Yeah, Stephen Fry, excellent in this as well. Like he's just superb. John Hurt is just John Hurt. He always is just fantastic in everything that he's in. Really, I don't think I've ever the seen late, him the late great. I know, RIP, RIP. Well, we've got to that stage in the podcast where we've been going on for slightly too long and we need to start going on the facts. But before we do that, do you want to play Budget and Box Office? Do I want to play it? You know I want to play it. Well, guess what? What? Because I've got a surprise for you. We're making this its own official tiny little stupid segment of the podcast. And the only way that you can do that, you know, obviously any professional podcast, you have to have some you, kind no. of we don't have soundtrack jingle. or jingle or transition. So our good friend, Hi Honey, who um, we, we mentioned him a couple of times. I think we mentioned him for the past like five episodes. We finally managed to get him to do something, bless him. Um, this is completely out of sort of theme of the whole rest of the music on the podcast. It's just, got, <laughs> it's just like a deep swerve into something completely new. I gave him full sort of just... Do what you want, Creative just do control. you. So, uh, yeah, if you love the chuggy riffs, it's not that. <laughs> so, <laughs> shall we play Budget and Box Office? Oh, man, I can't wait for this jingle now. Come yeah, on. you've not heard it either, have you? Here no. we go. There you go. Fuck me. Yeah, I'm, I'm collaborating with that guy on the next Christmas, not this year's Christmas <laughs> single, but next year. I just love that, man. The, the little kind of wind-up part. <laughs> He loves it. He loves it. I just said to him, so just make it sound as sort of like game showy as possible. And it's just a stupid bit. And like most film podcasts do this and they don't even make a big deal out of it. But we're going to. And he was like, yeah, cool. Just give me two minutes. <laughs> so thank you, Johnny. Or hi, yeah, honey, thanks, as, we're, as you know, we'll let him be known to the world, I guess. Right. So we've now got the theme. So you've got to guess the budget. What was the budget for V for Vendetta? Um, 2005 budget like get, get that brain wearing yeah, I'm trying I, my, my considerations are these really first of all not many big like A-list stars in this right or Natalie Portman really is the only one like you just said quite a lean cast and Natalie Portman it's kind of that bit where she was in big stuff but you know kind of in flux she was yeah. doing a bit more artistic stuff so um, artistic 
artistic, not autistic stuff. She wasn't doing like roses. I just thought it sounded like I said autistic. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, um, artistic stuff, art house things. So I'm going to say, I reckon this is pretty cheap because the only special effects really are shooting on a ridiculously high frame rate camera, like mm. in the Matrix, and then doing a, like a couple of bullet dodgy things. Yeah. Uh, 60 mil. Ooh. 50 mil. You just gonna keep firing. It, you get it? <laughs> well, I was, you between, going I was between fifty-five mil, fifty-four million dollars. Oh. It's probably like you know, like I, I round them sort of like to make like a round number, and obviously they're estimates, so maybe it could be fifty-five. <laughs> Congratulations, you're almost there. Uh, box office. I don't recall if this was. I know it was, wasn't really a critical success, but I don't know if it was a financial success. I'm gonna say a hundred, maybe a shade of one hundred and ten mil. Hundred and thirty-two point five million. I'm quite happy with that, though. That's that's decent. So I mean, based on what we've mentioned before, with the whole advertising budget and stuff, it's kind of like you know, it's not it's not a loss. It's not a major profit either. It's just kind of it exists as an artistic medium out there in the world to be consumed through your eyeballs. It broke even and then a bit. Yeah, which I'm happy with. I mean, I I think the problem is if you go back to like 2005, if you cast your mind back, Jesus. Um, the films back then, um, especially like comic book property films, they are just they're not they're not what they are now. Even even Venom that we panned quite heavily last time out, you know, it, even that can be made a success. Like you were shocked at what the box office was from the budget of that film. Whereas these, they're kind of cheesy, corny, and there's like some versions of it or some aspects of it in the film where it does come across a bit cheesy, like the finale sort of fight graphics are a bit like that as well yeah to delve a little deeper into the kind of production all that stuff a, a lot of people will know if well actually no they won't i'm totally lying i know i said that <laughs> you liar um, anyone that like knows of alan moore will know that he hates his shit being adapted mm-hmm. um and he, be, i think w- what he dislikes is they they change it quite significantly from the original book but for a reason, because it's still got to appeal to people on a, a, a story level. And I can enjoy um, both of them. But yeah, like the film fella says over here, the ending is a little bit kind of uh, dramatist. You know, it's yeah. kind of a bit like, okay, this is the ending now. Whereas in the book, it's really more of a kind of character study. He's not this kind of... Because there's an element of him being kind of... He's not a superhero, but he's in many ways kind of super powered almost. Yeah. Like, you see him choking a dude out who probably weighs more than him, which makes no real sense because he's just been riddled with fucking bullets. Yep. Um, so, um, th- there is that. But I think you've got to... If you wanted this made as a, as a fan of the book, you had to kind of accept that. And what comes out of it is still still something really entertaining, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I wouldn't want a remake of this. Like, this isn't like Spider-Man where it goes round... That, that it's a big IP property and it gets redone and redone and now there's millions and millions of dollars that goes into the Tom Holland version to make it make billions of dollars of profit. I don't I don't want to see a V for Vendetta, you know, remake or sequel or whatever. Like it, it just it it fits the 2005 category of a superhero film, but I, in my opinion, does much better. Like the ratings alone for this, um, in terms of you know outside of the time that it came out. So like now people reviewing it and looking at it now look back at it quite fondly. And, and you know, like I using like Letterboxd when I've rewatched it, I've been like, oh, five stars. This is like an excellent, <laughs> excellent film. I think five might be a bit much. Um, <laughs> but, but it's a solid for me, for, for, for a four star film, right? 
Yeah, because I, I just think it's really well acted, you know, and you often get that. This is not like a, a big, uh, like American. I think you you get a lot more bang for your buck sometimes if you produce a film with a relatively unknown British cast. I don't know if that's because a lot of British actors kind of go through. Um, it, it's I think it's a more, what's the word, kind of competitive and um, drilled environment, you know, when they come out of drama school and stuff. Yeah, like thespian. Yeah, stuff, I think like they do a lot of stage and stuff. And I'm not saying they don't do that in America. There are lots of really great American actors. I'm just saying that there are, I think, there's like a plethora of really good English and, or, you know, British, English, Scottish, Irish, whatever, actors who've been around forever, who are, even if they've been in shit stuff, really good actors, you know? Um, and I think this film definitely benefits from from that. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I'd agree. I mean, you you kind of alluded to some of my facts with your sort of synopsis and talk of Alan Moore. So shall we jump into the facts? I'm so ready for the facts. <laughs> so the domino scene, um, if you have seen it, there is a lot of dominoes at one point in this film. There's a hell of a lot of dominoes. I always uh, just think how the, well, this probably is going to be the fact, but I always think how the fuck long did that take to set up? Well, Imagine like if you knocked one of them down. Jesus. Well, well here we go. So where V, Hugo Weaving in brackets, according to IMDb, thanks for that, tips over black and red dominoes to form a giant letter V. It involved 22,000 dominoes and took four professional domino assemblers, that's a thing apparently, (laughs) 200 hours to set it up. Get the fuck out of town. Two hundred hours. Two hundred hours. Because well, the, people what? say competitive eating's not a real job, man. These are dom- professional domino assemblers. Yeah, yeah. Well, Imagine that you on your mortgage application. That, like. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do for a living? Oh yeah, I just want to buy this house. It's like three hundred grand. What do you do? Oh, I'm a professional domino assembler. Yeah, fucking denied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. It's very strange. I mean, my biggest takeaway from that is because two hundred hours. Like they've had to leave and come back. I doubt they've been stood there for 200 hours setting it up so they've had to go away. I mean, they might have done. Who knows? I don't you know pass, what happens. Pass hours. Hours. You put the final yeah, like, you're going to bed and you're, you're hoping that there's no like no natural causes that knock it over, no idiot that walks in, you know, flicks lights on on a morning, you know, it's cleaner, like with giant industrial hoover or something like that and just knocks them over. Like, that is a lot of trust. Do you know what I always think? I wouldn't I... sleep. You wouldn't be able to sleep, would you? Yeah, you wouldn't. You wake up in the morning, like, you just open the door. Oh, thank God they're still in with the where I left them. But I always think um, that scene. I think it very. It looks very cool, and obviously it's symbolic because mm-hmm. the idea is that one person with an idea changes the course of the, the country. You know, and yeah, the people yeah, yeah. reclaim the country. We get that. We get. We get that. But I always think. They're asking us as viewers to believe that this man, who has just masterminded a plan to fucking overthrow the government, bomb Downing Street or in the in the film the Houses of Parliament through some kind of furtive train tr- tr- train which he has rebuilt and cleared the tracks of, has also had time to assemble just for fun a series of dominoes which would take professionals two hundred hours. So for one man, that would be eight hundred hours of work. <laughs> Why is he getting twenty two thousand dominoes for anyway? We're getting we're getting too bogged down we're in the in, first fact. Yeah, okay, but it was well. definitely deeply entertaining because we both got really, really into that. <laughs> which is slightly worrying. Um for the scene where V emerges from Lark Hill, stunt double and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this. Stunt double Chad Stelsky. Stalski literally walked through fire wearing just a special fire resistant gel and a G string. That sounds like the kind of thing I'd be up for, <laughs> you know, G string, gel. Stalski's body temperature had to be lowered before the scene was shot, and luckily it was three degrees below zero the night of the shoot. Could they not have done this with CGI? Did he have to go through fire? 2005, man. Small budget. (laughs) 15 minutes before a take, he would put on ice-cold flame-resistant clothing, and once he took them off, he would be covered with fire-resistant gel, which had been icing all day long. That's commitment. 
Yeah, that's, it's, it's a bit much. <laughs> it's a bit I much. couldn't do that actually. Thinking about it, because my beard would burn off. <laughs> I mean, every, everything burns off of him in the, you know in the context of the film. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, for, it's a brief context. It's sort of the origin story of how V becomes the mastermind of trying to take down the government, and also sort of hints at getting some weird abilities. It, we we should say actually real quick, just so you realise how evil this government is and why it needs to be overthrown and why there is the argument that V using violence is allowed, um, is because it, the people of the country think that um, some foreign terrorists have um, unleashed a chemical weapon upon its population. It actually turns mm-hmm. out, spoiler, um, that the the this party Norsefire, which is this kind of mad fascist authoritarian party, mm-hmm. have um, have done it, and yeah. they have at the same time synthesized and secured the patent for the only cure. So they're able to you know buy that power, cure the population, and uh, take control of the country. You know, control the population. So that the scene that we're talking about here is um, they've got a series of concentration camps where they take people and test stuff on them, um, and yeah, V escapes and goes like. <laughs> <laughs> and walks through fire. And there's a fantastic parallel later on the f- in the film where Natalie Portman stands on the roof and she goes, <laughs> in, the, in the rain. Slightly higher pitched voice. <laughs> <laughs> but she does it in the rain and then it keeps flashing to him doing it in the. It's like a. <laughs> <laughs> you were meant to do the deep one. Damn. <laughs> I, I was doing that. That was a fucking. Oh, okay. Never mind. Look, it failed. What I was, try- was trying to do like a little back and forth there between me and Beard, but it never happened. Anyway, you'll never get it. So <laughs> we'll move on. The cast and crew were only allowed to shoot near the British Parliament and the clock tower, so Big Ben, from midnight to 4 30 a.m., and they could only stop traffic for four minutes at a time. The fuck kind of. Well, I was going to say what kind of traffic's around at that time, but I, this is one of the reasons I hate London. <laughs> traffic, you could be there at 3 a.m., and there's still going to be a traffic jam somewhere. Yeah, I'm going to say that it sounds like a nightmare, that. And especially if it was cold as well. Nah. Yeah, man, the movie shoots, man. I think that's one of the reasons I could... I, I, well, I mean, I keep saying I could be an actor, but I don't know that I could. <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, you, you try, don't you? Some of your videos. You no, do I, 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 I don't think I... In my heart of hearts, I know I couldn't. Cause, you like, don't even eat the food. It's some, it's some stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the amount of times it takes me... To, 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 the amount of takes it takes me for an intro is like sometimes like six or seven. We've been doing this podcast for eight hours. <laughs> yeah, largely because of you. True. The original comic series was created by Alan Moore, as you mentioned. And as you also mentioned, um, following his negative experiences from, from Hell in 2001 and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in 2003, <laughs> Moore decided to reject all money and credit from Hollywood on any adaptations of his work. Thus, he gave all the money he would have gotten to the artist who drew the character with him and rejected his own created by credit from the movie, just rejected it completely, which he did do the new Watchmen. In fact, but the new the Watchmen film and the Watchmen series will have taken place after then. Is that right? The yep. Watchmen, the film came out after this. 2009 this, yeah. Watchmen. So, yeah, he just wasn't involved with those at all. I don't think he needs the money, to tell you the truth. Yeah, rich dude. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Nice beard too. Yeah, pretty, pretty, yeah, yeah. It's like you in about another 20 years, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) The secret police are called Fingerman, as you had a a little laugh about, a little giggle about earlier, because you were a child. Um, Because the new order was arranged on the model of the human body, so the Chancellor, played by Sir John Hurt, we forgot to say Sir John Hurt, um, was the head. The television station, BTN, was the mouth. Visual and audio surveillance were the eyes and ears. Inspector Finch, um, who is Stephen Ray, is, it? is that Stephen Ray? I think it's what? Stephen Rea. Stephen Rea. Oh, you know, like Chris Rea, who does <laughs> Driving Over Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it'll be time for that soon. Yeah. Was part of the nose. Um, the police force and Creed is, which is Tim Pigott-Smith's character, with the secret police were also the hand. So, yeah, all body parts. 
you might have known that. Was that was that in the, the novel? Body politics. I mean, no, but it's like I, I did the English literature at university, right? So you talk about pointless shit like that all the time, and, <laughs> and you know, in, in your lectures. Yeah, wow, it's a body. It's, it's, it represents a human <laughs> Ooh, body. Wow, Ooh. this represents something. Wow, yeah, cheers. Thanks. Can I just go read it now or watch it or whatever it's done? <laughs> Certain scenes with this movie featured James Purefoy, or Purefoy? Purefoy. James Purefoy? James Purefoy. Purefoy, as V, who was originally cast in the role, but replaced by Hugo Weaving four weeks into filming. Weaving's voice was simply dubbed over Purefoy's performance in post-production. Director James McTeague said in an interview, Can I tell the difference? Yeah. Can the audience tell? I doubt it. I don't know why I turned American. I knew that. I knew that was a fact I did know. I knew he was in that, because he's, uh, I don't want to say I'm a fan of him, but he does a lot of cool stuff, man. James Purefoy, he was in, uh, I mean, this is not one of the cool things, things but he was in Solomon Kane, right um and he's done a lot of tv work he's, he's pretty good and stuff but um I did not know or I don't know why he actually was replaced did he like have a is he it fit it didn't say there's literally nothing in it so I don't know whether it was like a circumstance thing or whether Hugo even became available and like if you're gonna toss a coin between up. the both you're probably gonna go weaving aren't you probably yeah no definitely <laughs> yeah I don't know, man. Like, d- yeah, we'll never know, will we? I'm glad they went with it, because Hugo Weaving's voice, man, is erotic. I could listen to that all day long. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned, like, the, the vocabulary stuff. Oh, like, I, like I, it's I, just, I peel the balls off that, man. is brilliant, isn't it? When, when he, with, is that introductory scene, I'm, I have, like, a semi, maybe, like, a quarter hard on listen to that. You know, when he comes in and he's, like, he reels off a list of all these fancy words beginning with V, all, all the while disarming these awful potential rapists. Well, I say potential. They probably raped people in the past. It's implied. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's a cool It's funny scene. you should mention that because my next fact, during the introduction of V to Evie, starting with voila and ending with coincidence, V uses the words that begin with V 48 times. Also, the total number of Vs in the statement is 55. Do you know what I always think when I watch that scene? I'm like, that has to be a stitched together series of takes. That cannot be unless Hugo Weaving is that good. If I actually, if I ever met Hugo Weaving, it's the first thing I'd ask him. I'd say, did you do that in one take? Because he's using a bunch of words that like even... It takes you a while to process what the hell he's saying. Like I've seen that this film so many times. I'm like, what, what you, which it kind of adds to that aspect of it that she's just meeting this strange individual. You get the same level of confusion that she's getting because you're like, what, what the fuck did you just say? I have no idea what you're talking about. You and should, then it we, clicks. We should have, we should have got it and tried to say it out loud, but the past is probably too long. <laughs> but yeah, we, she's, uh, she ends it by saying, are you some sort of crazy person? Right. And he and says, degrees. <laughs> I'm quite sure they will say so. After which he takes her up onto the roof to, uh, to, to witness what he says is going to be some orchestral music which is is there he starts acting like a conductor mm-hmm. and just goes it's, it's actually the 1812 overture yes i think correct. am i right yeah yeah correct bingo i'm not not i'm a fan of classical music i just know that because i love this book um and he goes like and like the old bailey timing for both explosions in the film that go with that obviously it's editing and stuff like that but it's still it's good i enjoyed it it fits it works it's like did you know in the book that i don't know why they changed this part but in the film he bought he blows up the old Bailey at the beginning, which is like criminal court as we know it, mm-hmm. um, and then encourages people to storm the House of Parliament and he destroys that at the end. Right. But in the book, he blows up the House of Parliament at the beginning and then Downing Street at the end. It's kind of like, ah, that's, that's, right. surely Downing Street is the less consequence. If you've blown up the House of Parliament, you've pretty much done it, right? <laughs> yeah. We don't need to go back just for Downing Street. But anyway. doubling down, just blowing yeah. up everything. <laughs> One of the major challenges in this movie was how to bring V to life from under an expressionless mask, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, they considered using um, different masks because in the novels, I haven't read them obviously, but they're supposed to be slightly different tweaks to what the the mask looks like in different versions to illustrate whatever it is that he's doing. Um, but for this, 
they kind of used his voice and lighting to be able to change like the tone or the aspect or what it was supposed to be doing in the scene. Um, and then obviously, it, I mean, it's really obvious, all of his audio was muffled because he was wearing a mask for the entire film, so they had to re-record it in post-production, but that's blatantly obvious. They do that for normal films, redubbing. So. They did that for uh, famously for Bane, didn't they, in the, the newest yes. Batman movie? and it still sounds like, what are you saying, man? <laughs> what the hell are you saying? <laughs> Do you know what um, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain can do a, a, like a, a really good Bane impression? I didn't, but I need to find that video. Who's <laughs> dishing out the facts this week, son? Yeah, I'll, I'll send you that later. Okay, cool. Um, finally, this isn't really a fact, but I just thought we do have foreign listeners that, that do message in and talk and stuff like that and do, do listen because the statistics tell me they do. When V meets Creedy at the very end and he says, Penny for the guy, we know this, but obviously for anyone else, traditionally in England, children would ask for money to buy fireworks around November 5th. So they'd make a, you know, like a, a Guy Fawkes like guy basically put it outside a street corner or whatever and like beg for spare change and stuff and that's what would then get burnt on the bonfire with your fireworks going off so if anyone didn't get that line obviously we haven't really mentioned it but like it, this is like a, a british thing like there it is, it's a uniquely british i yeah. always want in fact when i ask some of my, my my american mates not that i have many um but like uh i would love to know what they think of uh you know bonfire night um because it is a really really odd tradition yeah, I, I fucking hate it personally. I, yeah, I do. Well, my biggest bear with it, I, I don't mind it in the sense of what it's supposed to represent or whatever, but the issue is just selling the public fireworks from around September time until like January. And because the British public, I'm sorry if you're part of the British public, <laughs> um, can't like just, you know, just let them off during the one night that is, I sound like a rat, I sound turned into a dictator here, but they can't let them off on, on the day that they're supposed to let them off. They let them off like four weeks before and they just literally, you get no night's sleep from literally around October time all the way through. You, you would be like, if you were in charge of this country, you would be Adam Sutler. You'd be you'd be introducing all these like rules. Like, but I agree that it used to be. I used to live in a, a not particularly great area when I was a kid, right? Where I grew up. I'm going off on a tangent here. But they used to kids used to fucking. <laughs> it's not funny, but they used to get uh, the fireworks right and empty the gunpowder out into like a coconut, and they would then put it inside the. I'm not giving people ideas here. In inside, like we don't endorse this. You know, phone booths. Well, they don't really exist anymore. You know, like old-fashioned no phone booths. <laughs> and they would put them in there, light a fuse. I'm surprised kids got this idea. Sure, some ingenuity actually, but they would put them inside uh, phone booths and they just pff, like the phone booth. Which is, well, they like, don't exist that much anymore either. The no, phone booths, just, maybe because they all got blew up from yeah, broken up bombs. But yeah, um, yeah, that's my little rant and kind of beards little rant on on bonfire night. Um, obviously, go and go and enjoy it. Go go out and you know if you're in the UK, go go check out some fireworks. But just stop after I, November fifth. I don't stop. even I don't even get the whole fireworks bonfire thing anyway. Once like, you've seen them once. Kind of I mean, like them. a ship, man. Like, what? That, a fight was just a little bit of gunpowder flashing in the air, right? Yeah. You're In England as well, you're always freezing cold. You're going down to, like, your local park with a bunch of other people. You always come back smelling like smoke. I'm, I know I'm sounding like a grumpy old man here. But for <laughs> it me, scares my pets, my poor cats. So I'm, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's another thing. We're trying to make it illegal now, aren't we? Which I would not necessarily disagree with. There is good uh, food sometimes, though. There's some cool food yeah. to do, like parking. That's a yeah, good one. Yeah, parking is excellent. Love to toffee apples are a bit shit though. They're, no. they're not really the most practical. But anyway. And the thing that I was going to bring, which is nothing to do with the food item that we're about to talk about, was uh, like, you know, like bonfire toffee or the bonfire toffee lollies. Cinder kind of toffee. like a treacly flavoured. Cinder toffee. Cinder toffee. I didn't know what the official term was. I used to just call them toffee lollies. Toffee toffee. <laughs> toffee toffee. toffee. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't, I couldn't get any in time. Also, they're probably, again, broken beard's teeth, like the, the Willy Wonka episode where I nearly broke your teeth on the. Yeah. Well, you just didn't give me fair, fair warning about how hard 
thought they were. I thought they were going to. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, the last thing that I will say, I mean, we could go about the film for ages, but we've been rattling on for a good 40 odd minutes now. And I think we should start heading towards the food. We normally talk about the film, but we kind of have in everything that we've just mentioned, I would say. We've kind of covered it, haven't we? In, but in short, I would say this is this is a masterpiece, a study of... Um, we've tried to be apolitical because um, just because, you know, the, the world yeah. is uh, full of serious stuff enough. You don't come here for a to be preached to just presumably to be entertained like although like we don't we, we don't really uh we don't really do that much but it is a very good study of like human behavior and it's a good kind of like little conspiracy th- if you're into your conspiracy theories and stuff and, and uh, stuff like that it's it's cool to to watch and uh yeah very kind of orwellian so if you like dystopian uh things with a happy ending kind of yeah, uh, yeah. then of uh, sorts. give it a watch yeah. and just watch it for hugo weaving's performance because it's just wild also, if you are if you're a British person listening to this podcast and you've not seen it, you've got a perfect excuse to to not go out to a bonfire on Friday <laughs> and stay and watch this instead. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, just do this instead. You can stay by a roaring fire, you know, or well, I mean, only if you've got a fireplace. Don't just yeah, light yeah, a just fire on your living room. Floor. Roaring fire in your living room. <laughs> Please don't do that. Um, I was going to say I was just looking at like when I do the research, I look at Wikipedia pages, look at IMDb, look at like facts websites. Wikipedia has got a hilarious like entry, which I know you said we're going to be like not political but it's just funny so it says the film is set in an alternate reality and then in brackets says although fairly plausible future <laughs> i was just saying well who's editing that <laughs> clever clever um should we get to the the food scene yeah it's a tenuous one but uh they're always tenuous ones at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah good point but yeah let's get to it so eggy in a basket yeah, indeed. That's what we're talking about. Shall I set the set a bit of a sit? Go of, for my, it. My my words are getting stuck on my tongue here. Um, the scene is thus: right? this this food stuff, um, or this dish appears technically twice in the film. Yeah. yeah. So originally, um, there's a there's a part where V um storms BTN right, which is a television network, in order to uh, broadcast his message to the the people of England um, that he wants to. You know, start a revolution kind of thing and on his way out he gets kind of stopped by this guy and evie who um for whatever reason decides she's going to smash this uh police bloke security guy um and allow v to escape uh but he escapes and uh i think evie's knocked unconscious or something so he takes her with him back to yeah. the, this place called the shadow gallery which <laughs> sounds fucking cool um it's like batman's lair but like more like don't know. More flamboyant and artsy. Yeah. <laughs> so he takes it back to this like secret layer where he's got government contraband and stuff. They've got like, uh, again, a bit like 1984, the, the, the normal population can't have cool stuff, you know, nice stuff like butter, sugar, you know, that goes to the, the head of the, the political yeah. establishment. And uh, so he's nicked these from a train and he's got all this... Um, contraband art and stuff you know um i think there's some there's a quran there like i think some religious texts and stuff because it's implied that you can't you know you, you have to be christian in this new um state and stuff anyway while he's there at the shadow gallery he offers to make evie some food and he makes her a dish called eggy in the basket yeah which not i don't know that every this is kind of dying off now like i know what that is but um not yeah, a lot of people i've Did had you know? it like i've had it like maybe once in my entire life my parents have never like made it for me when i was growing up. i didn't really used to like eggs i like eggs now i was a weird child but um more weird than i am now <laughs> just get it in there before you, i can see you looking at me <laughs> um but yeah i i've not i think i had it once at like I don't know why, but like Cub Scouts or something like that, they made us all eggy in a basket. It was a very Cub weird... Scouts. Cub a, Scouts. Yeah, yeah, back in the day, dib-dib-do and all that. <laughs> I never did that. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah, so eggy in the basket is actually, it sounds really, I guess, more complicated than it is. Yeah, but it it's does. essentially it eggs on toast, but with like a slight twist in that the way you make this, if you want to give it a try at home, is you get some bread, ideally a thick. Wait, let me get my pan. No, I'm kidding. We haven't, we haven't got it. We haven't had any food for a while. I do apologize. We, we did briefly discuss making this, didn't we? But, yeah, um, we did. Uh, yeah, don't, I don't think that would have worked. But yeah, you get yourself a nice thick, don't get like a pre cut loaf, like a Warburton's or whatever, get some like proper bread and you cut a big nice thick like a good i don't know what inch two inch slice let's say a, a nice thick one and then you can use anything right but uh, a good way to do it is to use the top of like a tumbler so you press it into the middle of the bread to cut out a hole mm -hmm. um i would probably recommend buttering it actually first i, I missed a step but <laughs> you do that cut out a hole put it in a frying pan or you're on a griddle or whatever and then you crack an egg into it and essentially what happens is it toasts the bread while at the same time cooking the egg you then you know put spatula underneath the bottom of the egg is cooked after you know a few seconds or whatever a minute you flip it and then you you have this egg which is essentially baked into a slice of bread i realize that probably didn't need to be that complicated but i just want to pay hey, I, I, I really you you're on fire today <laughs> i really love the I, enthusiasm i've been podcasting all week man i'm getting like this could be my new thing um <laughs> but yeah it, it comes up doesn't it at that point which we'll come back to but real quick it, there's a funny part later in the film because uh, Evie, her, her only friend really, is the guy who uh, Stephen Fry plays, mm -hmm. and she goes to him for for um, sanctuary later in the film. Yep, and he's actually making the same dish. And she goes, hang about, this is a bit of a niche thing. Not many people make this. Are you V? And he's like, well, she doesn't say that. He says, yeah, I'm V. But then he says, no, nah, I'm joking, mate. Look at me. I'm like six stone too heavy. Um, but For yeah, that's fact about that scene. I don't know if you picked up on it, but let's say... In addition to that, like the, the eggy in the basket or, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say eggy in the hole then, but the eggy in the basket coming back, she also fails to mention or doesn't notice that Dietrich and V also greeted her in the exact same way, not with good morning, but with bonjour mademoiselle. And also Stan gets his plane in the background in both instances. I didn't recognise that part. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't have got that. the last bit because, I, 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 you know, that's not really my, my bag. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't notice that either, but... It's, it's on the IMD facts page, so I'm going to go back and watch it just to check, I guess. It, it does make me laugh as well, look, when he's making it. And obviously, to, to, well, to, to make the food, he's taken off. He's, he's covered, essentially, head to toe, isn't he? In the this film. is V, yeah, the first v, time, v, yeah. Not, not the Dietrich who Stephen Fry plays. But um, yeah, he, and this is the first time you see he's removed his gloves. to, to um, And you can see his, you know what is ostensibly burnt flesh mm -hmm. and uh evie says oh god your hands i think she she's under the impression he's just like just burn himself just done it. yeah burn himself horribly but he's able to contain the fact that he's in agony <laughs> just to make her an egg but i uh, know it's it's uh, leftover from when he was in this concentration campy thing yeah yeah that we mentioned and uh yeah he says oh yeah there was a fire but it's not very good table conversation <laughs> eat your egg i don't want to tell you about being horrifically burnt which is uh, at least um good manners of him it is, and then he offers her a, a fine cup of tea with her egg as well, because that's the most quintessentially British thing you could do, with your cup of tea with your egg. It was obviously at the beginning of this episode, but yeah, and like you said, she doesn't, she'd not had real butter since she was a little girl because he'd stolen it from Chancellor Sattler's government supply train. What do you think of the accents in this film? Um, so I mean, predominantly Portman's and Hugo Weavings, because they are the only two who are not native Weavings, English people. Weavings is so baked on that it works i think it's it's better than it's it's a better english accent than i could do like an upper class english accent you know says, let me see if i can give it a go oh god there we go would you like a, no wait a second I, i'll get it would you like a cup of tea with your egg he's got like a certain kind of like i said it's slightly erotic um natalie portman's is not bad um but there are elements of it which are i don't know like a, there's something you can't quite put your finger on about it 
But I mean, they're both good. They're, none yeah. of them are Keanu Reeves in uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. None of them are that bad. <laughs> but um, I, Hugo Weaving's is great. It's a better English accent than most English people do. Yeah, better than mine. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, I like the fact that she mentions in this scene, because um, one of the things that I took away from this, and I think it, it rings true to a lot of the scenes that we do in general, um, or most of them anyway, character development always seems to happen around food. It like brings people together. You get a bit more out of it. That's the philosophical like, oh, film. I like that. Film. That's good. Well, that's what that's what food does, right? That's why we have meal times. Yeah. People typically eat together. But I like the fact that during that, so you're finding out a little bit more about her. You don't find too much out about him at this point. But she mentions that she always wanted to act, which I just put very meta. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> She's an actress wanting to act in a in a film. Yeah. Wow. Indeed. We also find out at that point that V's favorite film is. Um, Shit, I've just forgotten the name of it now. Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. Yes, he's just running around his uh, his massive living room with a sword. Just that, that's, that's the funniest part of the film when she comes down to like she's asleep or something, and he's downstairs pretending to fight with this old kind of medieval <laughs> statue thing. And she comes in, she's like V. He's like, oh god, god. he's, like, he's basically kind of adjusting his wig, <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, I thought you were fighting uh, for real. He's like, oh no, no, I'm just fighting along to uh, Count of Monte Cristo. No, he's, um, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, even though Hugo, even you can't actually see him in this entire film, I would like to imagine that that was him and not the other guy. And he's just, he's brilliant in this film. Yeah, he is. I like, I, he's one of those guys I would watch a film that he was in just because he's in it. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. But he's not really that many, like, in terms of his filmography, I mean, he's in a lot of films, don't get me wrong, but I mean, he doesn't seem to, like, mash them out, you know, like, uh, he doesn't seem to, what's the word, churn him out like Nicolas Cage, for example, yeah. who makes six terrible films a year now for some reason. <laughs> Just loves to work. I've downloaded Willy's Wonderland and it watched that. It's a film that he, he doesn't say a single word in for the oh, entire film. Oh, it's a Nicolas film. Cage film. Yeah, it's a, like some, a horror some other film kind of film. Of sorts. I also like to, just going back to this scene, because obviously that's what people are here for. Um, people are shouldn't they? be afraid are of they? their... <laughs> I don't know at this point. People shouldn't be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Again, don't want to get political, but there's just so many, so many fucking good lines in this this entire film like i messaged you earlier like oh what do i use for the clip you're like i, I don't know because there's just like we could you, every other line that v basically says is just iconic it's, it's academic badassery you know there's everything yeah. that comes out of his mouth just sounds cool if um you like words <laughs> <laughs> i like words <laughs> but yeah yeah he's uh he's a yeah He's he's not like an archetype, is he? That's what's cool about him. He's not like a traditional hero, not a traditional villain. And even in his moments of heroism, um, he's a bit eccentric, fighting um, you know statues and shit for fun. He's a he's an interesting dude. I'll I'll give him that. Um, in terms of anything else in the film coming out of the food scene, is there all else that you want to mention? I would say that the biggest thing for me is that Leeds gets a mention. They mentioned the riots in Leeds, which aren't a real thing, obviously, but um, there might have been a few years ago. I think we did have some riots, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're not a real thing, but they kind of were. <laughs> <laughs> but in the context of this film, yeah, her parents um, who got they either got killed or taken away from her when she was younger were like political activists and they and she goes I remember the riots in Leeds and watching them on TV and it just shows a clip that basically looks like London I'm just like that's not Leeds <laughs> all Leeds aren't we I think that the implication there is actually because this is a in a a post Thatcherite landscape it's talking about I think it speaks to because um, this was written around the kind of mining strike thing right which is yeah pretty northern. There were, there's a lot of mining towns around here, so I think it's an allusion to that. I also enjoyed, there's a line that gets mentioned by the 
not the main detective, I've already forgotten his name, but he goes um, about the people that they're looking into, one of them committed suicide, and he goes, gives his Beretta a blowjob. <laughs> it's just like a fantastic... Uh, obviously, I'm not condoning suicide. I don't implore anyone, you know, it's, it's, it's not a nice was. thing. But the, the line in a film to, to reference suicide by saying, giving his Beretta a blowjob... Why is did you do an American a, accent? It's a fucking English dude that says it. It's not just default. Everyone's an American in mind. One th- I know we've been running long, probably, but one thing we have to pay lip service to is William Rookwood, the character that, if you remember, V kind of plays, who is not V. Do you know they, they are yes. the... Yes, yes, yes. So there's a part where the, the, the main detective, Stephen Rear, gets... Um, he starts to suspect that his own government has played the part of this in this terrorist attack yeah, right yeah, on yeah. the country. And uh, he goes through a series of... He's looking at all these old records, and he manages to get a hold of this bloke, William Rookwood, right? Mm-hmm. Who's a fake, fake dude, but... It's V posing as a, a guy yeah, um, without a mask on and everything. You, that's when you can actually clearly tell it's Hugo Weaving because it looks like Hugo yeah, Weaving yeah. with a bit of makeup on. But um, instead of then doing the really kind of posh um, theatrical English voice, he starts doing a northern voice. And uh, <laughs> that's almost as good as his posh voice because um, the, the detective's like, uh, I, I want to take you into uh, police custody. He's like, oh, I met you, one officer. Correct me up. Which was far better than, by the way, uh, Alicia Vikander's Northern accent that we mentioned in brief last week. Yeah, the, the Green Knight, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to mention about this film other than just telling people to go watch it because it's bloody great? No, I just you can't you can't talk about it. There's no point talking about it. Go watch it, you know. Yeah, we, we, we've, we've talked about it enough. I don't know why we've, I don't know why we've talked about it because you just go watch it, you know. <laughs> We'd have very short episodes of every episode. It's like, I don't know why we're talking about this this week. Just go watch it. <laughs> or alternatively, if it's something like Venom, like mm, maybe. And if it's something like Burnt, don't. Never, <laughs> never do. I think do it's going to be it's gonna be fun when we get to the Christmas films. It'll be yes. coming up soon. Yes, well, it sounds like if you're uh, disappearing to go and have a fairy tale in New York, we might have to, to put a few in the can. Nice. Well, I mean, I'm still going to be back before the end of December, though. So, right. like, fucking chill. Okay. I, I just get separation anxiety, you know me. Just sit in this room waiting for you to come back every week. <laughs> you just lock me in. <laughs> I don't even give you a key, man. I don't trust you with this place. <laughs> right, should we go to the outro? Let's. And that is episode 18. 18 whole episodes with me and you stuck in this room. <laughs> Christ almighty. Do you think, we, are we at 24 hours of actual time like pod time because it's probably over an hour right we're probably probably, around the probably. i'm still mark. i obviously mentioned it in a second but i'm still churning these out just as like static audio versions on a uh, youtube i think we've got about eight hours of youtube watch time so far some wow. people have been checking out youtube but yeah it's uh it's not quite as, uh, as fancy as your, your other podcast yeah jo- josh <laughs> knows what he's doing we, we I, we'll make i'm i want to get us like a, a a better space really than this but I, only if people actually keep listening yeah we'll, we'll get ourselves on screen at some point and you can see me eat some cake as well <laughs> you can see his appalling beard as well <laughs> hey i've told you i go short these days i like it short anyway that is enough of of us just chatting waffle let's chat a bit more waffle and get out of this podcast so we are available wherever you get your podcasts just search for movie mouthless podcast on your favorite podcast provider make sure to give us a subscribe follow or a star review for the pod as it you know it all helps out and if you can do it on apple Podcasts, even better if you're on an app that's got it you know just do it in app you're, you're listening to it just go down do it right now five stars this podcast is great thank you cheers all right, all goodbye right, calm down it's a bit authoritarian <laughs> 
speaking of which, reviews. We've had a couple this week. We didn't have any last week. I was Get a very sad boy. Town. I want to hear these reviews. I was, very, I was a very sad boy last week because we didn't have any, but now I'm a very happy man because we've got these. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. So we've got our first review from R and then uh, it's lowercase TBB. So RTBB. B. Shit, I thought you were going to say Kelly then. I thought we don't need that kind of heat. <laughs> Delete. Uh, so his title is Very Enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'd like to think that we enjoy ourselves doing this as well. <laughs> Maybe. What? We enjoy <laughs> ourselves doing uh, Yeah. No, we, we we have fun. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, our, was it R2D2 or some shit? <laughs> <laughs> well, his, his, his review was, very much enjoyed all episodes, even if the host don't. And he's put a laughing face. Oh, I love that. Um, I mean, I don't know whether he's implying that we don't like the films or whether we just don't like doing the episodes together bit or both, that you just don't like me or i don't like you whatever it is that you're picking up on you're probably accurate the latest episode so he's putting brackets number 17 zombie land so he's a, he's a recent listener he's very good and made me want to go out and get some twinkies more bill murray oh. films please five stars ah oh boy going out and getting the twinkies thanks mate we really appreciate it i thought that zombie land was a bit shit so the fact that somebody's enjoyed it well the episode not the film you like the film oh, i like the film just yeah. i thought our episode was shit but then i think that about almost everyone apart from inglorious <laughs> bastards <laughs> <laughs> keep going back there. we're gonna you can't tap that that well is tapped dry you need to pick a new favorite yeah, maybe like i don't know as well like it's it's, it's, it's like a change in the scale now that could be terrible if i go back and listen anyway thanks mate appreciate that review <laughs> and our second review um obviously if any more have come in since then we'll get you next time but um underscore tubes underscore um his title is moronically entertaining <laughs> which is fairly accurate yeah i would agree that is uh, on. spot on on the money uh, his review is as follows two morons in brackets i mean this is a massive compliment thanks mate <laughs> talking about films love listening to the episodes from the films i like and have seen keep them coming five stars oh thanks mate i really put that could that could not be more complimentary Actually, I like that. Well, well, semi-insulting, but I, I like will those, take it. Those are my favourite kind, yeah. No, we love it. We love it, really. We are we are two morons. Yeah. <laughs> or one and a half morons, or whatever you want to call us. <laughs> you can find us over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Movie Mouthfuls. You can also find myself over at Twitter, at, at TheFilmFella underscore, and also on YouTube by searching for The Film Fella, where I occasionally do film and TV reviews. And he's going to mention it. He's going to say... No, you don't. I actually am in the, the very late processing stage of editing my first return back to YouTube video. So, um, the yeah. so just keep your eyes on that and go check that out. It's probably going to be garbage, but who knows? Who knows? That yeah. might be a clue as well as to what I was doing. Ooh. What? Who knows? Uh, no, garbage. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. <laughs> um, you're at Beard Meets Food. Come and find me over at, at, at uh, fuck, what's the handle? At uh, the Breaking Bread podcast. The break, Breaking like, Bread I PD, know. I believe it is. Is, it, is that what it is? I know it more than, I was than only, I was, you and I'm not even on it. <laughs> I was only pushing it just to wind you up. Yeah, that's my <laughs> other podcast where you can see what I'm doing at the same time um, if you want to. But no, no, uh, just you don't have to come watch me or listen to me. <laughs> yeah, Beer Meets Food. Just, just search for him. You'll find him on two podcasts now, plus guest starring on... He's just basically becoming a podcaster now, I believe. It, that was the joke Josh made it's on your first work, episode. Man. This is this is hard work. <laughs> You'd have to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> if you fancy sending in any questions or you've got anything that you want to say to us, you can either tweet us, as mentioned, or you can chuck us an email at moviemouthfuls at gmail.com. We haven't had any of those for a little while now. We did have an email a few weeks back. Um, but, you know... Plenty of chatter over on Instagram. Um, Guillermo, that we mentioned before, was, was chatting to me for ages. He's starting up a YouTube channel in Spanish because he's got one about films. That's quite exciting. Is that so, Guillermo? Guillermo, Guillermo. He said that my, my yeah, pronunciation was fine. I remember fine. Guillermo. I just thought you threw me off because you pronounced it wrong. <laughs> he said my pronunciation was fine. 
okay. <laughs> I've got the I've got the message to prove it. Well, anyway. good, luck, good luck, Guillermo. If you want any tips, you know, drop us a line. Well, drop me a line. Not I mean, yeah, don't, don't, don't listen to me. <laughs> I need tips too. Um, but yes, um, I've really enjoyed like everyone messaging. There's a, there's a guy called Lee that keeps messaging as well. Um, he was the one that had predicted Zombieland was going to be our next film, or he'd asked for it, and then when Ooh. we did it, he was very happy that we did Zombieland. Oh, cool. So cool, cool. yeah, keep keep messaging. It gets me through uh, some some difficult working weeks sometimes. Also, if you want to support us, head over to Patreon.com/slash/MovieMouthfuls. <laughs> There's that moan. If you wish to do so, um, you know, anything that we get from that, we just put straight back in, you know, including like those little silly competition that we run the other week, you know, we just repocketed that, put that back in and, and got someone a fresh new tea. So we'll, we'll do stuff like that. We might even buy some new equipment. Who knows? So thanks again to Martin and Scott for being our Patreon subscribers. Really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah. I mean, th- thanks to both of you. <laughs> Not one person. <laughs> just because it's one entity. <laughs> <laughs> who knows anyway if you want to support us and get something for your money which might be a, you know a better option you can now grab a shirt or a mug or a hoodie over at moviemouthfuls.bigcartel.com and as I keep mentioning it's not just some sort of weird sales thing I'm just trying to make it super cheap so just use the code mouthfuls you'll get 10% off your order <laughs> and they're already super super cheap so you know it's a bargain in, really. in price not in quality not in quality, yeah, no, they're surprisingly good, as I keep saying. Yeah, that was, what that was, Adam that said. was my quote, a quote for the ages, surprisingly good. <laughs> oh, God, so we've got to that, that, that bit now where I can round things out. So thanks, as always, to Lee for the music. I'll now say thank you to Hi Honey, a.k.a. my other mate, Johnny, for his little jingle, which brought sheer delight to Adam's face when, when yeah, that was man. played. Um, so go check out Hi Honey over on YouTube chosen like music streaming service or youtube because he made a little channel when when he collaborated with your little canada video yeah he was on so, that so i said so set up a youtube channel sonny jim so i could send people your way well he, i think he's hit like ten thousand players on that track um it's like his first track and he, but he i'm never enough i'll never be enough for he you knows the lyrics i don't even think he listens to this podcast but i'll, <laughs> I'll tell him my, that you sang it <laughs> it's not my normal kind of stuff but yeah it's a, it's a tune man yeah i'm gonna say it hooked you uh finally as well huge thank you as always to damon for the awesome artwork that is now you know slapped onto those t-shirts and hoodies so thank you for that we will be back very soon but until then don't forget a revolution without dancing is a revolution not worth having yeah um <laughs> you said it in like a weird tense like don't forget yeah uh i i fundamentally agree with that it's your favorite line in it so i put it in there yeah no yeah one of my favorite lines also be known to throw a few shapes if i've had a few beers you know <laughs> and uh you haven't started a revolution yet but at least you've you got the dance out of your system first yeah <laughs> Right, that's it from us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Actually, don't. You know what my real favourite line is? You know, he's about to kill the the priest, and he says, "Oh, not tonight, Bishop." <laughs> Kills his ass. He's a paedophile. Yeah, he's a paedophile. Down with pedos. No, no. <laughs> don't include that. Down with pedos, mate. It's, it's just... Actually, not, yeah, not like down with the kids. Pedos are bad. <laughs> down, down with the pedos. Christ, down with stop. the pedos. Let's just. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>